Ladies and gentlemen, in today's episode, we are going to talk about carving your own path. All right, so we're jumping into not only finances, but graduating college or moving on from high school and creating a new opportunity for yourself and your future family. And we have a guest today that I'm very excited to have on the show, another one of my personal friends uh, named Mike Valona, who has moved to different areas in the country. Uh, He's been married, has a daughter, beautiful young daughter, and very excited to have him speak with us today. Also a former teacher, now assistant principal, Let's talk to Mike Valona about carving your own path. You know, and as we as we get into this episode, I'm just reminded that the purpose of the show isn't just money. Okay, I know it's the JP Money Podcast, and yeah, that's one of the main ideas that we focus on, but money is not everything. If you can build a life that you're proud of and leave behind a legacy, you know, something that you can stand on and say, hey... I led a productive life and made the world a better place. I made the people around me better people. Okay, I offered a hand up instead of a foot down. Okay, that's that's even more important, significantly more important than the money that that you accumulated. And I know a lot of people, myself included, sometimes we get stuck in our own little worldview in our own little corner of the world, and we find it hard to break out of this shell. And allow ourselves to live a life of fulfillment, okay, and to try new things. And I've lived in the Lansing area, you know, for for my whole adult life, essentially. And I've contemplated many, 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 many times uh, in the last 10 years uh, of leaving the area to try something new. I was even telling my wife the other day that, that one of my dreams is to be able to spend 10 years working 10 different jobs and then writing a book or or making a podcast or something along those lines for each different job that I held. Okay. Just because I think the world has so much to offer if we just opened up our eyes and tried a few new things. And and maybe that'll be a retirement project for me or something down the road. But you know, for now I'm I'm still here in Lansing, still teaching. And and we're going to talk with, as I said, a teacher today who has more experience than I do in, in trying something new. Okay, and letting go of the pressure and letting go of worrying about, oh, what's going to happen if I move away? Am I going to take a pay cut? Is is my family going to be hurt because of this? You know, and who just trusted, uh, you know, that the the process would lead to to good things. And it has worked tremendously for Mike Valona. Okay, and I I was thinking of this just a couple of days ago. I was watching a documentary because I'm a big history nerd. Uh, being a, a teacher and whatnot of social studies. And I'm watching this Theodore Roosevelt episode about him coming into the presidency uh, in the early 1900s. And uh, he had a quote here that uh, I wrote down and I'm going to read it to you. It says, there are all kinds of things of which I were afraid of at first, but by acting as if I was not afraid, I gradually ceased to be afraid. Most men can have the same experience if they choose. All right. And that's from the Roosevelt's documentary, uh, PBS documentaries. And I just love that quote. And I think Mike has really lived up to that here in his his 20s and, and early 30s. And I'm going to be interviewing him and, and picking his brain uh, about his process of working in the classroom and working with kids and 
in making the decision to become an administrator and and as well as growing in his adulthood, becoming a, a husband and a father and you know operating a family and moving around a few different areas. Uh, I think he's got a lot to offer and really respect and look up to him uh, because of his willingness to carve his own path. And I also have to give Mike a really big shout out because I don't think I'd be married to my wife, Jessica, today if it wasn't for Mike. Mike was the one who got me a summer job as a camp counselor in his hometown, DeWitt, Michigan, which is also where my wife's from. And that's where I first met her. So uh, Mike still likes to give me a hard time uh, from time to time, even today that, you know, I have a big part of my my life, uh, my marriage that that I owe to Mike. So Mike, thank you for that. All right, let's get into the JP Money podcast. Hey, JP Money listeners. I just wanted to give you a heads up that this interview in the episode today was recorded over Zoom. And so there is a little bit of technical difficulty, but we worked through it, still put together a high quality episode for you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking to Mike Valona today. But before we jump into discussing Mike's career path and his lifestyle and what's worked out well for him over the years, I want to remind you that there's been some uh, some information coming out from some different sources, and none of these sources are vetted. Uh, they're not directly from the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. That's who you want to hear from. Those are the people that have the legitimate word for Uh, what the contribution limits are going to be. But if you're kind of nerdy like me and you like to know and start planning your 2023 tax year, uh, it appears that there's going to be some major changes for contribution limits. And this is quite normal. Okay. There's nothing real new here except for the fact that we're in a 10% inflationary environment. Okay. So what the IRS has to do is they got to adjust for that. Okay. Because uh, the purchasing power that we had five, 10 years ago with our dollars is not the same as what it is today due to historic inflation. All right. So if you were alive in the 80s, here you go. Wham, bam, back to the future. We are back to uh, an extremely high inflationary environment. Okay. So just want to give you a heads up. Uh, again, not official word here, but it's likely those contribution limits are going to be changing. So if you're into the HSA like me, the health savings account, and you're a married couple, and you've been maxing that bad boy out with $7,300, that is going to be jumping up to $7,850. Okay, so that's an extra $550 you can put into that thing, saves you taxes up front, allows it to grow tax-free, and allows you to use it tax-free as long as you're uh, you know, using it for health expenses. Big change in the limit. IRAs, those of you that are into your individual retirement arrangements, or accounts, okay, whether it's a traditional or Roth IRA. As you know, that's been at 6,000 the last year or two. And now that's adjusted for 2023. It looks like it's going to be going up to 6,500. And so there's, there's, you know, you got to, if you're dollar cost averaging, if you're putting $500 a month into that thing to maximize it, it's not going to maximize it anymore. Okay. Now don't ask me to do that math for you. You're going to have to do the math. Okay. You got to get out a calculator or use that brain of yours. Okay, 6,500 divided by 12, figure out what that number is, punch it into your automatic contributions, into your investing account, wherever you put your money, and max that thing out. 
It's going to pay you dividends literally and figuratively in the long term. You 401k users, uh, I, I have a 457B because I work for the government as a teacher. But if you have a 401k, 457, 403B, that's been at 20500 uh, for 2022, it looks like that's going to be jumping up another potentially two grand, up to $22,500. Right? If you're one of those uh, self-employed pension people, a SEP IRA, uh, that's jumping up from 61000 up to 67000 Okay, So you can kind of see what the IRS is doing here. They're adjusting for inflation because inflation has been about 8 9 10% in the last year. I uh, just want to give you that disclaimer. If you're trying to plan for the upcoming year, 2023, I know we're still five or six months away. You can go ahead and adjust those numbers so you're maxing those things out if you're able to. And I know that's a large goal. Maxing out any of them is a huge accomplishment. Uh, but if, if you're able to do that, uh, you're going to want to start thinking about adjusting those uh, the percentages of what you're contributing to. Okay, now that being said, uh, you know the reason why we need to invest into these retirement accounts is so we can have options, so we can all live a lifestyle like Mike Valona. And that's why we're going to talk to him today because that man is on fire, moving up in the, the education world from a teacher to an assistant principal. Okay, he's going to do great. Let's check. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we have Mr. Mike Bologna with us today. Mike, how's it going? I'm great. How you doing, Jordan? I got a, I got a three-day weekend, so we're kicking it off with the podcast here. And the Texas heat is treating you okay down there? Oh, no. It's a little bit better today, but it was like close to 110 for a few days earlier this week. Yeah, it only I, be like a hundred. I remember coming down and visiting you at this time last year. Actually, today, one year ago today, you and I were and our families were at the uh, stockyards in Fort Worth, and it was just blazing heat. I mean, we were sweating, uh, and we were watching the the uh, walks of the cattle, and it was it was a good time. Did you show up before your on your anniversary or after? I can't. You showed up on your anniversary, right? It was yeah, the, the, the day we got some, there. Uh, we grilled something for you. Oh yeah. You took care of us. You took care of us on the anniversary. We appreciate that. And you've had a busy summer. I mean, you mentioned you got a three-day weekend, but a couple of weeks ago you went to Europe. Is that right? Yeah. We, uh, we were on like a journey this summer, basically as soon as school got out last around Memorial day last year, we were in the wit for a little bit. We then left to England. My wife's parents, Sally, live in the Nottingham area. Mm -hmm. So we went there. Uh, we spent like a week there where we saw a lot of different sites. We saw London. Um, then we flew to Italy, just Allie and I. We left our daughter with my in-laws. Uh, in Italy, we saw, where did we go? Naples, uh, the Amalfi Coast, and to Rome. Then we returned, spent some time with my parents again uh, in the Upper Peninsula. You know, that's interesting because you and your wife are both teachers or at least former teachers and you have a large amount of time in the summer off or where you have limited work that you have to do versus most people in a nine to five job. They don't really get a two, three week period to just be able to go to Europe. So that's definitely one of the few perks of, uh, of being a teacher and being able to have a job that allows you to do so. So I'm glad you guys were taking advantage of that. Probably the last real chance, but that's okay. It was fine. I just want to kind of circle back and think through, you know, we've both been teaching now for eight, nine years or so. If you could go back to when you're at Michigan State University, knowing what you know now as a 30, 31, 32-year-old, 
would you have still gotten a major in education and in teaching or would you have done something different? Mm, I, that's a good question. Uh, I think, I think, yes. Uh, if I were to go back, I would maybe the thing I would like to do is just, yeah, I don't think I did this when I was 18 is really consider where I would want to be in mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 years. When I was 18, I just wanted to go to college and, and then just start doing and, and kind of figure it out along the way. Um, mm -hmm. I think since then, I've matured and become a little more reflective about where I would hope my career will go, be a little bit more of uh, someone who kind of like sets goals and actually thinks about <laughs> what's on the horizon. And so I think uh, the, the only difference is I would have maybe just sat down and tried to think a little more clearly about, okay, if I do this, where am I going to go? And, and maybe that would have taken me somewhere else. Maybe it would have kept me in the same place. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you have maybe the foresight as an 18, 19 year old that you do when you start to progress a little into your career. Yeah. Which is probably pretty common. I would think for most um, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds. I know that my wife, she's now going into data science, as you know, and I don't know that that was even a field 10 years ago when we were in college. So there's a lot to consider. And when you were talking, I just thought of really two concepts. I thought of upward mobility and goal setting. So, you know, your maybe recommendation to somebody who's just starting college or graduating high school would be sit down and think about where you want your life to be in 5, 10, 15 years? And how will, how will your career help you reach that goal? Right. Yeah. I think that's probably a good thing to do, right? I think, you know, there's pressure for a lot of high schoolers to finish, graduate and go off to college. And the cost of tuition there for in-state is, is relatively reasonable for a, a four-year state school. But would you have maybe done something like community college for a year or two while you're still thinking about uh, what career you want to go into and then maybe transferring those credits in to save a little bit of money on tuition? Or do you have no regrets as far as MSU goes or whatever big public four-year university it would have been? Yeah, that's a good thought too. It's really hard to say because I think like, again, you look back now, uh, and I still have a reasonable amount of debt to go, uh, which hopefully will, I actually don't think I'll ever pay the total number. I'll just make my 10 years of payments for the uh, public service loan forgiveness, and, and that'll be it. It's, it's hard to say because you have, like, experiences that are kind of uh, priceless by going to uh, a bigger university. Mm -hmm. uh, you have different opportunities and you're going to meet a whole lot more different people, I think, whereas, you know, you're going to financially probably come out ahead if you start at a community college. Um, but I think you're also going to maybe miss out on some of those growing opportunities as a person. So I don't know. It's kind of a six to one, half a dozen of the other sort of thing. I think like if you asked me right now, I'd be like, yeah, let's go back and save the money. But um as far as like some of the experiences that we got mm -hmm. to have, I don't know. It's hard to say what was worth it and what wasn't. Yeah, right. It's hard to put a, a financial value on experience, right? I mean, you can't ever get those years back and that time back. So now speaking of the experience and the different things that large universities provide for you, 
you did something very different that I um, really look up to. And in maybe even as one of my own regrets or something I would have done differently is, did you use your alumni network at Michigan State University to land your first teaching job? Because I taught right there in East Lansing. I mean, in Bath, just outside of East Lansing, you went somewhere totally different. So where did you go? How did you get there? And was it a good experience? Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't take any of the alumni network, I wouldn't say, to get that job. But you, I'm sure you remember there was, uh, you know, we have a big college of education. And so the college put on a job fair for us, right? The, a teacher job fair, essentially, and brought in districts from all over the country. And so within that job fair, there was a, a district in Arizona uh, that I happened to sit down with. And uh, being that it's Arizona, a, a state in tougher shape, I think, education, public education-wise than a lot of the Midwestern states. I was pretty much offered a job right there as a... Well, let's be honest. You are a clear, great (laughs) candidate for teaching. I mean, you're at Michigan State University, highly ranked. You're a young, handsome guy, well-spoken. I mean, of course, districts were snatching you up. But beside the point, you took the job. So, yeah, but like as a 22 year old with no, I mean, I just didn't have any reason to, I was kind of like, uh, well, I've got this. I was not, you know, we were at the end of a fifth year. I can sit down now and apply and apply and apply and do all this, or I've got this one already ready. Let's take it and let's go somewhere else and try something new. I ended up in uh, Phoenix suburbs for several years. Uh, one challenge I would imagine, at least for me, you're maybe a little bit more likable and sociable than I am, but you <laughs> relationships. I mean, did you make some friends? Did you meet any uh, um, good looking ladies that you courted and uh, turned into your wife or how did you meet people out there? Uh, the really uh, easy thing about moving there was my first district uh was is it you know it wasn't like a beacon of educational excellence or anything (laughs) so there were a lot there were a lot of young teachers um, a lot of people moving from the midwest actually moving from all over to be there so you're hinting at how i met my wife i guess as well there right so i I made some Mm -hmm. friends in the district that i was working alongside and we were you know kind of learning the profession together but also uh, we were hanging out on the weekends. And so uh, one of those friends happened to just be neighbors with Allie, my wife, who was also starting her teaching career, but in a different district. Um, and so we all just kind of connected. Uh, there was a Friday and, um, you know, Arizona is very hot in the summer as well. We mm-hmm. frequently uh, hung out at the pool on on Fridays. And so I thought you were going to say uh, you guys were climbing Camelback Mountain and you met her at the top and it was love at first sight, but that's okay. You're at the pool. We're at the pool and that's uh, the rest is pretty much history. Uh, I think the very next day uh, we had our first date. Did you ever go to that place out in Arizona? I lived across from uh, the Cardinal Stadium Stadium right where the Arizona Coyotes play. And there's a bunch of like restaurants and shops right there. And so that was the the first, the beginning of something big for us. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I did not visit you. And that's due to the fact that I was running like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get my own job going in Bath. I was a very stressed first couple of years of teaching before it slowed down for me. So I did get out to Phoenix eventually to see you and been to Texas as well now, but. Superstitions and all. And just to clarify, you taught high school or middle school originally, and what did Ali teach? Uh, I taught middle school originally. I was, I've been in eighth grade for I was in eighth grade in six of my eight classroom years. So I was in eighth grade there when I first started. Ali was a first grade teacher. She was always in elementary. I don't know if she ever went higher than first or second grade, maybe she did like a third. I can't remember. Mostly okay. lower. And just to give Ali a quick plug here. Um, she, I know you guys are in Texas, but didn't she just win some sort of like teaching award or was nominated for a teaching award in her district, which in Texas, they have huge districts. Yeah. So, I mean, they select a campus teacher of the year for every school in our district, which I think there's, I think I heard this yesterday, actually, there's 72 schools in the district. She was oh. one of one of the 72 teachers of the year last year. Awesome. Um, no surprises herself. there. Okay. So you and Ali get to know each other. You're teaching out in Arizona for, you know, four or five years or so. You get married, obviously, have one of the best weddings I have ever been to, if not the best wedding. Uh, flying out to Arizona downtown, scorching hot. I remember listening to Justin Bieber's Despacito at the reception and we're downtown under the, the canopy and dancing. That was just so much fun. And then how did you guys move to Texas? What I mean, I mean, because that's a pretty big jump to the east side of Texas from Arizona. We had to make kind of a conscious decision uh, for ourselves and future family that uh, as much as we liked Arizona, it was not really working out uh, for us financially. Did you um, have your daughter when you were in Texas or when you were in Arizona? When we were in Texas, yeah. What, kind of February, so uh, not too long after we moved to Texas. Okay. But uh, we couldn't see staying there long-term working out. So we decided to, I remembered that same job fair, same time period that a couple of our other friends from the Michigan State Education Program had uh, picked up and moved to Texas. And mm -hmm. so I knew that to be a place of opportunities uh, as well as higher salaries, really. I knew, and I kind of thought it would be a good, you know, good balance as far as kind of being able to actually find a job and then also uh, making a, a decent paycheck that would actually support the career decision. Uh, so, you know, it really just kind of came down to luck of the draw that we're here in the Dallas area. It could have very well uh, been Houston too. We look pretty heavily in the in Houston area districts as well. We just ended up here by chance. I think Allie landed a job uh, in Plano, a suburb north of Dallas. Uh, and shortly thereafter, I landed a, a job in Duncanville, which is a suburb just to the south of Dallas. Uh, and so that first year, we actually lived just kind of smack in the middle of Dallas. And now we've kind of migrated a little bit north. Okay. So when you make that move, how was the, if you don't mind my asking, the salary? I mean, was there a negotiation at all of like, hey, I've got 
four years of teaching experience in Arizona. Now in Texas, I'd like you to take me at step four or step three or step five. I think I can throw you the number. The last number I think that I made was like 39,000 or something. As in Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Um, And so we, I believe collectively, we pretty much overnight, you know, it increased our income by about 30, 35% just moving to Texas. Okay. Uh, And then cost of living wise, I do think they're pretty similar. I, I want to say like things like groceries and stuff like that are a little bit more expensive here. Uh, but the gas, like gas is less expensive. Um, and it's hard to say. I think they're, they're fairly similar as far as the cost of living goes. I, I think it just kind of depends on, you know, they're huge, huge cities. And so it really just depends where within that city that you're going to live. You're, you're going to have some variation as far as housing costs. Interesting that you say that about gas because there's so many producers of you know gas down in Texas. I'm sure in southern Texas. I remember when we were driving through Houston to go to Louisiana, there was like oil refineries everywhere, everywhere mm-hmm. we went. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas, the prairie sky is wide and high. And in Texas, you, I assume you don't owe state taxes. Am I remembering that correctly? Don't they not do state Uh, income taxes? There's no, there's no state income tax. So uh, in my, I guess, novice experience, uh, (laughs) they get you in other ways though. Like I, I believe they have a very high comparatively property tax rate. Also, I think they're making up the money in other ways. But well, and here's another. This is a, maybe a slight aside. Another thing that they do that I learned during the master's program that I was taking a few years ago. They don't ever. They're not taking away any money. They're just putting the, a higher percentage of the burden on the property taxpayers to keep schools funded, essentially. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I know real estate has been insane all over the country, but I feel like Texas is definitely one of the major booming areas as far as real estate has gone over the past couple of years. So now, Mike, I want to ask you, because you moved into Texas and then you said you had your daughter shortly after that. Mm-hmm. What surprises did you have becoming a dad, uh, whether they be financial or just lifestyle? Like what were the things that you maybe didn't think about or maybe you knew, but until you really experienced it, you didn't understand how difficult something was when you had your daughter? Cause she's how old now? Uh, it's, Three-ish? It's Three? all a surprise. It's all a surprise. She's three, three and a half. Uh, you, I read a couple of books, you know, like per, trying to prepare and you just can't, you don't, it, you don't know what it's going to be like until you do it. Did you read um, what to expect when you're expecting? Oh, uh, no, I'm staring at one of the bookshelf here. It's called dude, you're going to be a dad Oh, yeah. with a newborn sleep. It's just gone. Uh, mm-hmm. And that takes a while to get back sense wise i don't think you realize how much like diapers are gonna cost uh and the wipes uh, and then when she got a little bit bigger the cost of daycare um that's a that's a huge expense as well um the diaper cost has gone away she's very well potty trained now so that's nice uh, that was kind of like when we realized we should start going to costco because uh, the cost of the membership essentially paid for itself. If, if we went one time and bought 
let's we bought this would be interesting toilet paper paper towel diapers wipes and like formula paid for itself for the year like oh, one, I bet. One and it seems like you're using them like so frequently too on a daily basis multiple times a day so those bulk purchases essentially saved you mm-hmm. i'm sure i'm sure Okay, so you guys have a child. She's grown up a little bit now. You mentioned childcare. You're at the time you're both teachers. So did you guys keep her at home during the summer months, and then during the school year, your daughter's going to uh, like a school provided daycare? Or did you have to pay a stipend for that, or what? Yeah, well, it's an. I mean, yes, we pay for it, but it's a. So the district. I mean, it's it's a very large district, so that's one of the nice perks is they offer an employee childcare center. Um, so it is for teachers, so it does not operate in the summer. So we pay for the childcare for the working months, uh, of a teacher's calendar. And then she's home with us, uh, during the summer. Nice. And so you recently made a big change in your career. You talked earlier about thinking through your upward mobility and what you want to do next. It seems like for most teachers, the natural next progression is becoming a principal or getting into administration, whether it's an athletic director or you know an assistant principal, a principal. And that's what I always wanted to do. But once I got into it for a few years, I worked in middle school and it just seemed like the kids were not necessarily misbehaved or rude, but they're just so energetic and so crazy. And they have so much pent up energy that there would be issues that would come up just on a constant basis in our school. And it almost always seemed to fall on the administrator's uh, shoulders. And so I didn't want to take on that responsibility. And there's a more of a summer expectation or the, the contract, at least where I worked, was a the administrator contract was year round as opposed to you know having two months off in the summertime. So you decided to make that jump. Can you talk to me a little bit about that decision? Uh, is that what you always wanted to do or did it come about quickly? Well, like we were talking about earlier, no, it wasn't necessarily something I always wanted to do. It was something that took me time to sort of realize and start to think about as I was progressing through years in the profession. Um, when I joined Alley in Plano, uh, not at the same school, uh, I found that to be the time to, to kind of take it on. Uh, I, I appreciated the school leaders that I was working with at that time. Uh, they made me, I guess, feel empowered to, to do so. Um, I began a program uh, online. There's, there's quite a few online administration programs down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took that on. It's kind of like a year and a half process um, so that's pretty that's pretty quick um getting a yeah a, is it a master's degree or is it yeah, just a, a master's okay it's a master's and then so uh, i wasn't quite ready at the end of at the beginning of the last year to really attack Forrest Gump. now can you believe it after only five years of playing football i got a college degree position so because i had to finish up like some state certification stuff and that was pretty stressful and time consuming as well um so this past spring i I did. I, I began applying and looking around and kind of in the middle of the summer, I landed a position uh, at a different middle school than the one I'm at now, but in the same district. Um, and I began there on the 11th. I've been a school administrator for two weeks. 
And these are just like, cause the kids aren't in there yet. Right. So it's just, is it meetings with other principals or what, what are you doing right now? Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of just kind of prep for the upcoming school year. So uh, I've spent, been spending a lot of time amongst the other new administrators in the district. Uh, so I've done a handful of things with them. Uh, some of the other meetings and things we've been have been kind of separated out either elementary or secondary. Um, and then there's also been some aspects and time allotments on our campus. Um, we've kind of been working together to think about a lot of the, the big decisions that we need to figure out before teachers return and then the students return. And what is your biggest fear or uncertainty about going into administration? Because I think of like, you got to give teachers feedback, you got to help handle behavioral issues. You've got teacher recruitment, so probably hiring more teachers or whoever. What do you see as maybe like a new learning experience for you? Um, all of it. <laughs> I, I don't think right now I can kind of accomplish everything that I need to within the standard working hours. So I, I need to try and be proactive uh, in my time off to attack little tasks as well and keep up with them. I am a bit nervous to be like, you know, for example, in a, in a classroom with teachers that have been in the classroom longer than I ever was uh, and being the one to provide them feedback. There's a lot of other things I feel like are going to go, you know, just fine. I think another big one will just be uh, you're in a position now where you're kind of a face of the school. And so interacting on a much larger scale with like the parents in the community should be interesting as well. I think that'll be a, you know, got to grow a thick skin in some cases, but teaching kind of prepares you for that as well. Just excited to get it started, really. I, I think right now there's just a lot of abstract things floating in my brain that won't really become clear until the school year actually gets rolling. Yeah. And you're going to do fantastic. I mean, you're right. As a teacher, you're kind of used to be in the face of the school or the face of the classroom. You've interacted with parents and kids before. You're no stranger to that. Uh, I have full confidence that this is going to be a great school year for you. And you're going to like this, this transition. And you know, for me too, I'm moving from middle school to high school. So I have some uncertainties about a lot of different things. I get some anxiety and some pressure for like, you know, getting these lesson plans ready to go. But at the same time, like you said, you're going to be jumping in in a couple of weeks anyways, and you'll just take it week by week and month by month. And before you know it, you'll be a veteran and you'll be doing this for, you know, two, three, four years. And you're not going to feel like the new kid on the block anymore. And like you said, with having teachers that have taught for longer than you've taught, I mean, I know that my principal uh, at Bath High School, he took the job uh, and he actually just left to get a new administration job, but he did it with, he was far younger than I was and he was the principal, not an assistant principal. So I just try to remember like other people have walked the same shoes you've walked in and have been there. Um, so you're not alone fighting that battle, my friend. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, thank you for talking to us today here at the JP Money Podcast. I admire you for everything that you've accomplished the last 10 years. I mean, moving out, starting a new job, making it work, meeting new people, getting married, having a daughter, moving to Texas. Now you're jumping up to the administrative sphere. And, you know, I admire that. So sometimes I wish I would have done something more like that. 
you know, and be able to take my wife down there. And who knows, maybe, maybe I'll be moving to Texas before long and, and you can hire me in. You can give me the, you, the you still can, you still can. We're looking for an English teacher right now. <laughs> English again. I got to talk that over with my wife. So, Hey, before <laughs> I let you go, let me put you on the hot seat. I like to close uh, my, my guests with three questions. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to fire them away at you. Okay, here we go. Question number one, Mike, what is your, besides, dude, you're going to be a dad. Uh, what is your favorite book? Um, doesn't matter if it's nonfiction, fiction. Oh, favorite. I think I read it wrong. I thought you were going to ask me the last. Okay, the last, I'm going to just tell you the last book I read, because I don't know if I can come up with a favorite on the spot. I most recently read a book called Pachinko. It uh, now has a TV show on, on Apple TV, but it's about a forced by Japanese imperialism to move away from Korea. Uh, and they ultimately moved to Japan, which is kind of interesting, uh, where they were not treated particularly well. Uh, kind of started out dirt core and through the generations, they accrued some wealth uh, in running uh, pachinko parlors, which are kind of like a history brain. You know, I taught history for quite a while and it also family relationships uh culture uh, a lot of things that i like and so it's kind of a cool story is it a true story no it's like a historical fiction okay um, but okay. it is based so it's based in like the, like the japanese imperialism and that stuff like that's all real and it, it takes you through different time periods that are real but the the story the characters themselves i don't believe are real it's just kind of uh, based on what you know what a life like for yeah historical fiction is like such a cool genre of literature i remember reading one on the romanov family um in russia the story the narrative wasn't real but it was like kind of real i learned a lot in the process so cool hot seat question number two what is your favorite movie um favorite movie I'm going to say is No Country for Old Men. I love that one. Uh, I watch it a couple times a year. Have you ever seen it? I have not. I thought you were going to say a couple times a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what is, remind me what it's about. Also based off a book. Um, it's, it's about, I guess it's, I guess it's kind of about the sheriff. It's, it's about a sheriff. Um, it's about a, a good, he's a good guy, but he, you know, he kind of struggles. He's in like a trailer park, but he, he comes across a brief case of money that he found as he stumbled across like this uh, drug shootout in far west Texas. And so the the whole movie is, you know, the sheriff's trying to help him out. He's like, these guys are not going to let you go. Uh, he's being hunted down by uh, an assassin trying to get the money back throughout the whole movie. And so it's just kind of it's it's kind of like a it's like a western but it's new. It's got uh, Javier Bardem, Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin. It's a good movie. That sounds it. yeah, sounds very good. Now I've got a new book I got to read, a new movie I've got to watch. All right, Mike, your last question, hot seat question number three. Imagine uh, you are entirely financially independent. Uh, you and your spouse, you've got a couple million dollars in the bank account, and you no longer have to work. Uh, describe your perfect day. I would, I would, I would not wake up early, kind of ease myself into the day, maybe mm -hmm. 8, 30, have some coffee. Maybe I'd go, go play a really nice golf course. And maybe then after that, we can meet up and go to lunch with the wife. What else do I want to do? 
I don't know, hang out on the beach, have a, have good scenery, a mountain, something like that. Um, be in a nice place. Just relax. Going to take uh, your daughter down to the beach as well. Let her get some of the outdoor experience. Yeah. I, I, in my mind, this, this is when she's a little bigger and a little more independent. So yeah, she can, <laughs> she can do the beach if she wants to. Awesome. All right, Mike, I really appreciate you being on the JP Money Show. You have a good rest of your day, okay? Okay, JP Money listeners, that's all I got for you today. Like I said, I wanted to speak with Mike because he has a multitude of experience around the country in education uh, and a lot of life experiences that I don't have. And so I want to reach out to him, get his take on a few things, his college experience, his growth as a teacher, and eventually to becoming an assistant principal, being a husband and a father. Uh, This man is doing a lot of great things down in Texas, and I've been honored to have him as a guest and to have him share his experiences with both me and the audience. So thanks for listening today. You have a fabulous rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the JP Money Podcast. Remember, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan here, the host of the JP Money Show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please share it with others if you found it useful or helpful. And remember, this is not intended to be financial advice. You should consult a professional financial advisor to help you run the numbers and look at your own personal financial situation. Thank you. 